every single day I feel the pressure. Let's go, it's your boy C-Rock, back in that one studio on the What Are You Made Of show. Welcome back, welcome back. Uh, another great guest. I say that every time, but every time it gets better and better and better, I gotta tell you. Because here's the thing, folks, if you continue to reach out to people intentionally, I mean, people have everything you need. And number one thing we all need is connection and understanding of, of new like knowledge, pieces of knowledge, pieces of information that can help us reach our potential. And so I've been reaching out to people and this gentleman here, that's getting ready to uh, come on the show and I'm going to introduce you to Adrian Kaler. He is uh, working with another gentleman. They're doing amazing things. I can't wait to share this with you. But the, the key is they're so aligned with the way I think mm. and, 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 and helping people and impacting this planet. So I'm really excited to have him here. Uh, Adrian is a leadership engagement expert and senior partner at the executive coaching firm Take New Ground. He coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art of science, leadership, for themselves, their teams, and clients to create unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. He's got a lot of accomplishments here. You can see in the show notes, which we'll go over later, but it's it's a different approach than most people are taking that you guys are seeing out on social media and Instagram and LinkedIn and all that. This this is a different approach and a different approach that works. So I want to welcome Adrian to the show. What's happening, man? Yo, C-Rock, good to be here, man. What a, what a live wire you are, brother. It's like, you know, I what did I say? I was, I was gone... Last week, I was in Phoenix at this offsite client, and uh, you know he brought all of his VIP clients out, and you know we were having this kind of affirmation. We we're having this dinner, and then at the end, opportunity to give affirmations to people. And I was just saying about the guy Matt, and I put you in the same category. That's why it comes to mind. I said, in a world full of zombies, I'm always looking for the live ones. And man, you, you, you know, you're just out there, man. You're doing it, and I love it. So thank you. You know, how are we going to spend, you know, I'm 43. How am I going to spend the next, you know, 45 years? Well, only hanging out with people that have decided to give a shit about life. That's, that's the only, the only people I'm going to hang out with is like, you know what? Today matters. My life matters. My family matters. My impact matters. I just want to, I will only hang out, be with folks that have made that very courageous choice because it's easy easy to just go through the motions and blame whomever your mama your daddy the president the market whatever you're going to blame and just waste your life man so thank you for being such a live wire well thank you and i listen man i've done a lot of work on myself and i'm still a work in progress so right on. but one thing right on. i am is i am i am not allowing my brain to be indoctrinated with some of the crap that's out there right now we can talk yep. about that in a second Sure. Uh, before I go down rabbit holes, this is my favorite saying in the beginning of the show. Before I go down rabbit hole, I got to ask mm. you the question to start the show the right way. And Adrian, that yep. question is, what are you made of? What am I made of? I made of a whole bunch of shit, man. Um, what am I made of? Well, is that such a, f I love that you asked that question. Even when you, you warned me, you were going to ask it. I was like, wow, what? That's a five hour answer. But let me give the, the, <laughs> the really, the, you know, the couple minute answer here. Um, as a sinner and saint in this guy, you know, I've been around the block, so I've got, and I was going to say, luckily, I don't really believe in luck, but, um, I've learned a lot from deciding early, uh, to, to give a shit. So was really ambitious early. Wasn't necessarily ambitious towards a career. Um, that I, you know, I grew up in a family that both parents were school teachers. So they were kind of give back type people. And I didn't like say, I want to do this and make a gajillion dollars, which, you know, would have been nice, uh, on some regards, but I just went after vitality. 
And so that got me in a lot of really amazing experiences and connected and traveled a whole lot early uh, for the sake of others um, and connecting, building teams. So what am I made of? I'm, I'm made of ambition for sure. I, I've got this, even in my coaching practice, uh, I call my work fierce advocacy because I, you know, I was a pastor for several years as well. So like I have this heart and I was a intensive care pediatric nurse, you know, so anyway, I've gotten around, wow, man. but like caring for people, realizing that people matter most, that's always been a mantra of mine. People matter most. And I believe that. And I think even insight usually happens in the context of a relationship and epiphanies usually happen. I mean, some people have the mountaintop experiences, but it's, it's, they're not by themselves, even if they're with their own spiritual, you know, higher power type thing. Um, so desire to be connected with people and also very connected to like my own void, right? My own dark side, my own criminality, my own, you know, uh, side of me that wants to just survive and use myself or use other people to get what I want. Like, so that's what am I made of? That's there too. I mean, I don't, it's a fun, I mean, I'm a word nerd. So what am I actually made of? Anyway, I could, I'm going to dissect that no, for a while. This is giving me, this is giving me a lot of avenues to go down, but before yeah, we do, I, I want to know, you know, you said you were in pediatric nursing or intensive care nursing, you said. And yeah, right out of, right out of, I was like a pre-med guy in college. Then I flipped to go get a nursing degree, not really wanting to be a nurse, but wanted to go travel the world. You know, I'm very, yeah. my, my faith's a big, was, was a big part of my life. It, it always is. It keeps, it always modulates and changes, but I thought I'd go travel the world and go make a difference um, and help people. And so nursing was a great way to do it. So I, I grew up in Illinois and I moved to Chicago chasing a girl and got a job at a children's hospital in the pediatric intensive care unit. So, gotcha. with, so with kids on the brink and with families in the worst day they've ever had and to be able to step into that context and give instruction and comfort them and guide them and correct them sometimes because they need that because usually moms were flipping out and dads were pissed. Yep. Um, and even doctors were like, hey, bro, you got to go back in there. What are you doing? You can't just come in and say that and leave. Go here. I'll help. Come, come, come. They need a, They need information, man. Yeah. So like having to like order that chaos. That's what I was doing when I was 23. Gotcha. And then, so how did you end up meeting Dan, our friend, Dan, your partner, Dan, that I had a great yeah. call with the other day? Like, how did that, like where, what were you doing when you met him? And then, and then how did you build that relationship? Yeah. Long story, very short. So I was living in Chicago, moved out. Uh, I heard a, 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 a CD, a talk, like a Ted talk or a sermon by this guy named Erwin McManus. I was living in, living in Chicago. He, I, uh, anyway, I was listening to that talk called The Barbarian Way Out of Civilization, which was essentially a, a talk about how Jesus did not come to build a religion. He came to start a revolution. Um, and I thought my 23-year-old years, years were like, yes, yes, okay, I'm, I'm done being bored with all these dogmatic religious people. But anybody that's like actually up for a good uprising that's love-based, I'm in. So anyway, that moved me out to L.A. to come, be, to come meet Irwin be a part of Mosaic, ended up coming on staff here. Through that, met a guy whose dad's a billionaire, so he was a millionaire. I was mobilizing people. That was my job. I built this network called Serve LA. About 2,000 people a year would go out and serve in the community and or any kind of, any kind of 
things in other countries, like I was, I was mobilizer, right? So they'd call me when the earthquake happens, Adrian, what do we do? And then I'm on the ground with doctors in three days or Pakistan's underwater or anyway, I'm doing that for a while. Met this guy, Jesse helped him in his own faith journey. And he said, Hey, I want to give a lot of money away. What do I do? I was very connected. I'll say, well, I'll, I'll help you. So took him around the world, helped him find out what he cared about, set up a foundation for him. Ended up being, he was attracted to giving people a second chance who have really blown it. So followed some nuns into prison. You know, Catholics are big into what they call restorative justice, which is beautiful. But yeah. these nuns, these nuns had literally just had this pen pal uh, program. And, and simultaneously, a buddy of mine went through one of Dan's trainings called the Revenant Process. And when I was in that room at the end to support my buddy, he's uh, another mutual friend said, hey, hold on, you're doing prison stuff? Dan, the guy that runs this whole thing, he does prison stuff. You guys should connect. And so we met that night, and then we met for coffee the next day, and I hired him on the spot because, I mean, as you've been around Dan, he's, he's an OG, man. You know, he's like, if I, as I yeah. say, if, like, if, you, if Mother Teresa and Yoda and Tony Soprano had a baby, that's Dan Takini. I mean, beyond belief, in love and care for people, extremely wise, philosophically, extremely grounded and well-read. And then also, if you look at him wrong, man, or if you, especially you mess with his family, you better watch yourself. He's got a baseball yeah. bat. Um, yeah, we'll be having Dan on later, a later episode here very oh, shortly, guys. So, 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 so when I met him, I hired him. I hired him because I wanted, he was my next guy. That guy, Irwin, was the next guy. I would always, I always follow mentors. Um, in my youth, especially. So, uh, as soon as I met Dan, I thought I want to learn everything this guy as much as I can. I mean, he's like, he's extraterrestrial when it comes to talent and and intuition, um, and being able to move a whole room. I've been speaking on big stages in front of thousands of people for a long time, but this guy did something else. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't just merely inspiring people or being insightful. He was transforming people. You know, this guy, Dallas Willard, who people might know, he's a PhD at USC. Um, he heads the whole philosophy department at USC. He called Dan a soul surgeon. And I thought, wow. okay, I want to do that. I want to learn how to, I want to be the guy that can do that. I don't just want to mimic him. There's something in him that I want to, that I want to become. And so, uh, hired him right away, was in all these trainings. We did trainings in prison with murderers. So we trained, there was an initial training with about 30 murderers, all lifers with the chance of parole. Most of them, a couple guys didn't have a chance of parole. And then we trained those guys to be trainers, to be us. Um, and even to this day, that was like 10 years ago, even to this day, those trainings are still happening up in Soledad State Prison. And uh, one of the guys got out and started his own training company, just like we have. They just got written into the California state budget for $25 million. Let's go, Because, because like, well, they're that well, – Richard Morales, Adrian, I look on our – I got to go, go. say this, though, on that point real quick, because here's the thing. A lot of people want to change the world, impact the world, but they see this billion number, right? Yeah. And they're like – they get overwhelmed with it. But the power yeah. in helping one person is oh, exponential. Yeah. There's got to be a number. I don't know what the number is. If you change one life, what that really does exponentially, I'd love to know oh, that yeah. number. We can estimate all day. But, you know, yeah. if you impact a thousand lives, that's got to be multiple million people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, especially this day and age, right? Because, uh, you know, it's like we're not we're not local. Like, you know, Richard Morales, his story you know, even on our, we, so we interviewed him on our podcast. We have a podcast called the Naked Leadership Podcast. Um, 
And, uh, you know, now like his story, very local now is out to bigger groups. And now you know about him and you're going to, I'll send you that podcast. You'll listen to it, probably send it with, send it to five of your friends or 20 of your friends. Um, yeah, it's exponential, man. And punitive, so, punitive damage versus rehabilitative damage. Uh, I mean, uh, d- damage, uh, uh, punitive, like, uh, What's the word I'm looking for after that? Like you mentioned, you mentioned a word. It was rehabil- was it rehabilitation or? Uh, when- I, I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. Like in prison, well, like the Catholics, you know, the Catholics. What did you oh, say about the Catholics? They restorative like, justice. Restorative. Was- restorative. I call it rehabilitative yeah. versus yeah, punitive. I believe in that. I think people should be punished in a way, but I think it's in, to me punishment makes you feel worse and tears you down further than where you already are, which is yeah. defeating the purpose and then feeding the prison systems money because oh, it's a course. business. Of feeding course. the revenue, right? Huge, so how, huge business. With with that, what you guys are talking about, how do you fight against the, the, the corporate part of that? Because the corporate part of that wants more prisoners and wants them to stay in there. Yeah. And, you know, you how do you guys – Yeah. So you got to get out of the group mindset and get down to the individual because it's always an individual that changes everything. You know, we know some iconic individuals that took a stand and shifted, like obviously Mandela and Gandhi and Martin Luther King and all these types of folks. Or one person that decided, no, no, not on my watch. And then that person takes a stand, which which nobody can help you take a stand. It's you. And then, you know, so you make you shift it from the inside. Like with these guys, they just decided, no, 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 no. We're going to become the men we wish that we wish we were right now. Before all the gangs, before all the drugs, before all the violence, right now, I'm going to become the man that I always wished I could have been. Right now, nobody gets to stop me but me, and I'm done stopping me, and I'm going to take responsibility. If you move out of that victim mindset and get into a responsible mindset, that, that equals freedom. Ownership equals freedom. So that's how you change it. And so you know, they need people to be, to be criminal to stay in the system and make more money. So if, if, if there starts to become a movement of responsibility, that's okay. We're not, we're going to stop, you know, dealing drugs inside. Cause obviously everybody deals drugs and phones and you know, every, it's really dirty on the inside and, and the guards do most of the work. I mean, they're the worst mm-hmm. gang in prison is the guards. So if they take a stand and give them nothing else, stand blameless. The, um, all of our guys that had the possibility of parole, they always go in front of the parole board, like in Shawshank Redemption. Um, Every single one of them, the next time they got in front of the parole board, they were released because of how they were, right? Because of, first off, the great behavior and all that, but how they presence themselves and talk about themselves. And I want to get back and make a difference in society. I'm not here just to go out and survive. No, I've learned. They didn't, they, you know, the criminal, the prison didn't help them learn, but we did help them learn about how I got into trouble. And now there's actually thousands of of young men in my neighborhood that are just like me that are about to be here i they need me to be there because i'm going to help and i'm going to intervene and i'm going to shoot them straight and i'm going to tell them the truth and if they you know and and lead them and uh, so many dozens of the guys we worked with are now out of prison they're doing gang intervention work with the cops like on the side of the cops saying hey gentlemen call me you don't go don't don't go into that party send me into the party i'll stop it you know so they are just the guys that like don't give up ground they go into trouble yeah. like they they run how much, how, much, how much of that do you think is a spiritual component to them sitting in front of a parole board uh, like to me, you know, I've studied 100%. a lot of things and experience, but when I start taking responsibility for things, yeah. right, yeah, and being at cause, 
Yes. Then all of a sudden, my I have this big being. Like you're being, not being, being. It's hard to say yeah, that being. word for me. Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah. you're saying being? Like green bean? No. Being <laughs> becomes Lama. big, right? Your being becomes big and large. It's That's bigger right. than your body. That's and right. so that presence is felt. Like when you walk in a room, you're talking about Dan walking in a room, right? Yeah. It's it's not Dan's body. It's his it's his spirit, right? So do you, th- yes. you believe that there's a spiritual component to that? Oh, 100%. Well, first off, if you decide to be heroic, you're connecting with one of the most majestic and impactful stories or archetypes of all time. That's why, you know, people connect to the Jesus story, for example, because he was heroic, right? He died for the sake of other people and he, you know, he gave himself up. And so he was big, larger than life. He was life. And so whenever you decide to be, a, to be about the future, that you want, i.e. your vision, like what's the future that's worth having. And especially if it's for other people, you all of a sudden, I mean, you're connecting to them. The, we know it from a neurological perspective, the, her, the hero narrative, the, the hero's journey. That's the most impactful narrative of all time. Well, why is that? Because I think we're all made in God's image and all that. So, um, and we all are dying to be heroes. We're just scared to death of it, right? We're too much cowards. So, but when we connect into that, I think we just connect to extra you know, I was going to say extra forces, different energy. dimensions, yeah. different yeah. energy, and and no one can escape the attraction of that energy. So you do become bigger because it's like it. You become bigger and deeper at the same time because and, and know, the parole the, board feels that, and and they, and a lot of times it's not even what's being said. A lot of times it's just what they're feeling from it. That's right. You know, that's right. Being well, able you can, to, you can it, read it, people's it, energy, right? And you can read their sincerity. And it's like, oh, no, no, this guy's real. Like, I trust this guy. And probably, you know, and they, they sit in front of criminals all day long. And they know who's trying to scam them. And they know people that are BSing them and all that. But when somebody's up there and they're real, they're like, oh, God, I trust this guy. Okay, he's ready to go. He's yep. ready to go home. Yeah, huge, huge. All right. So then you met Dan. And then, and then how did you guys end up working together, like, besides being a mentor to you? Sure. Yeah. Well, so we did all those trainings together and I was a fly in every, in every fly in the wall in every room. Cause I'm just insatiable learner and never going to stop. And but I think, I think the definition of a great life is always exploring one's own capacity. So I wanted that. Um, and so I went to all these trainings, everything he offered, I went to just cause he's Mozart at the piano, man. He's freaking insane. When, when you put him in a room, the best in the world. So he had trained me, went through this coaches Academy, all that left the foundation and started coaching people and went out on my own because um, he was he was still Dan was still involved in the foundation. So I went out on my own, started coaching people that took off rather quickly and was a blast. And then, you know, started one company with a guy wasn't a great fit. He was kind of a content guy, just like talking to talking at people. And I wanted to get in deep conversations. So just to miss, you know, it's different styles and, uh, you know, different priorities and convictions. And then I went back out on my own. Um, and then, uh, this, the time was right. You know, Dan and I'd stayed connected. We had a deep affection for each other. He saw me as a natural protege of his, and I saw him as a natural mentor of mine. And then when we got the chance, we started to take new ground and, uh, no brainer, no brainer. I mean, we're distinct. He's 69 and, you know, I'm 43. Um, and we're, you know, come from different places in a lot of ways and have some complementary styles, but, uh, believe the same things around the core principles of the work and the core philosophical principles. And we can easily yin and yang. And so we love being in a room together. So um, even we've got these trainings coming up called the Revenant Process. One comes up in three weeks, another one in April in LA, another one in Honolulu in June, and we'll do another one probably in early December. 
and uh, we co-trained those rooms together. So uh, anyway, uh, and and you know he'd been doing all the work with with uh, with companies for a long time, consulting work. I mean, his first coaching company was called the coaching company that's how og he is like he, he had the, he had the first like that one. one it's like that one yeah, like that one he was the first <laughs> the coaching one the, company the coaching company back sitting with you know espn execs in the early 90s or late 80s saying and they're like what are you talking about we're not a basketball team i was like okay you have to explain <laughs> coaching to an executive um and uh yeah so we, anyway perfectly complimentary styles and uh deep respect for one another and so when we get humming together in a room it's 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 fun it's really awesome, fun for man. everybody yeah well, i want to dive into the, listen this is a vulnerable transparent podcast and i think as your position and what you do you, you have no problem doing that so i'm going to ask no you problem. something about like personal life in a second but before yeah. i do that i want to point out the definition of manipulate we talked about uh the the the, the uh, prisoner sit in front of a parole board right yeah. And if I were to say they they want to manipulate the parole board to get their way, a lot of people would think that, man, nah, that's that's a bad negative connotation. Manipulate. It's not because here's the definition. I want to point this out. I'm, I'm a I'm a guy that looks up definitions all the time. Me too, too man. Me too. Um, I was just in my I've uh, uh, the Merriam Webster app is on the f home screen of my phone. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I don't if I'm reading and I don't understand where I stop. So Do handle it. hand this is manipulate a verb handle or control a tool or mechanism typically in a skillful manner there's nothing negative about that yeah and alter edit or move on a computer examine or treat by feeling or moving it with the hand to manipulate with the hand so so manipulation is a powerful skill yes but it's not it's the intention behind it that makes it good or bad right yes so yes. I think that when you're coaching people and you're working and consulting with people and mentoring them, getting them to be able to manipulate their environment, the people in their environment is huge. Yes. Oh, well, it's, I mean, well, you know, what's, what's a synonym with manipulation is influence. People love that word. Yeah. Yeah. But manipulate, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, I mean, obviously you can quote unquote be manipulated, but I mean, listen, same conversation behind bars with all these murderers is the same conversation I have with people all day long. You got to stop being the victim. Like no one gets to manipulate you unless you sign up for it. Period. End of story. Now, most people are not going to believe that because we'd rather have an out and it wasn't me. It was them or it wasn't me. It was the drugs or the alcohol or Service, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, so people sign up to be manipulated. Uh, because they get they get off the hook in their own mind. Obviously, they have to they have to live in all the consequences um, of of that of signing up for that. But anyway, if you live in a if you live in a mindset of rigorous personal responsibility, you just never say somebody manipulated me, or even you never say somebody really yeah. abused me. Well, I mean, maybe it happened once, but if you stay on that train, it's on you. What about this so, though? What about the fact me. that? I say this is a fact, right? This is my argument. Tell what me. about the fact give, give me the that fact. you must be willing in order to be good at manipulation and to manipulate, yep. which, right, it's a good thing if, you, if you're good intention. You must be willing to be manipulated, which could also be – remember what the synonym of manipulation is or mani manipulate, influence. Influence, yeah. So if you want to be an influence, you have to be willing to be influenced because yes. for you, for example, with working with Dan – and all the studies that you've done, they influenced you. They manipulated you, right? Sure. They handled sure. or controlled you to a certain extent. And it's, so like a lot of people don't think about these things. Like you want to do something, you have to be willing to do the thing. 
So yeah. I, I always look at these things. It's kind of like a dichotomy in a way, right? Be manipulated well, or manipulate. So well, first off, even the idea of like being willing to be manipulated is a farce anyway, because we all are influenced or manipulated by things all the time. So even the mm-hmm. fact that it's like I'm not is is just total horseshit and very arrogant. Yeah, yeah. Because you yeah, obviously yeah. are. I think. But your point is, you got to be willing to. Put yourself in the fire. And that that's, would be my real first answer to your thing. If people want to manipulate, lead, influence their team, their first person they got to manipulate, lead, and influence is themselves, right? So you got to get right. yourself into a mindset where, hold on, I'm, I am both sinner and saint here. I'm both brilliant and a coward. You know, I'm both capable and scared to death. Like there's all these, like we're, we're all this mixed bag. So if you're willing to look at it that way, and stop running from your dark side and start putting your arms around it and stop running from your failures and start using them as learning tools and, and stop running, like stop trying to play this game where you're trying to impress people all the time. The most impressive thing is somebody that's real, period. Yeah. I mean, you might, you might, you might, you might, you might get some adoration from someone, but you're not, you can't really change them. And they're definitely not, they're not going to get any better by just adoring you. Um, it, but so, but if you're real, they're, you're, you're, they're, you know, you run a risk, right? Because if you start telling the truth about yourself and even your own, you know, I do this stuff all the time. You know, I do podcasts all the time, just like you do. And I'm always a little bit nervous before I get on. Why? Because I want to make a difference. And I got to show up and make a difference for you. And I can, there's a, if I'm going to do that, I got to be really here and listen and be connected to you and what you're up to. And that's vulnerable. Because I could come here and just say all the crap I always say and blah, 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 if I wanted to right, and just right. pl- play the tape. But that's no fun for anybody. And there's no life in that. So, you know, yeah, if you're going to manipulate, you got to lead yourself and you got to decide to be vulnerable in front of other people. We're vulnerable anyway. Nobody gets to run away from that. We're vulnerable over some time period. So you can like act like you're not vulnerable now and then you pay the price later. Like everybody leaves you, you know, your family doesn't like you anymore. Your partner's leaving business. You become irrelevant in the market. That's vulnerability just later. But, but if you're wise, you choose to be vulnerable right now and get a ton of feedback, you know, get connected Huge. to people. You say, you speak your mind. You tell, like, I like what Jordan Peterson says, you know, it's like, um, always tell the truth or at least don't lie. That's a, that's a high bar. If you really, yeah. if you really pay attention to that, like mm-hmm. always tell the truth or at least don't lie. How many times in a day I pay attention to my own thinking about how many times mm-hmm. I want to not tell somebody hundred percent of what I'm thinking or, or yourself not, lying or to myself. yourself. Right on, man. You know, right like, on. Well, hey, so, so I don't know if I told you this when we talked on our talk, our call, but uh, I have core values that I've established for myself and they right. have the acronym vitals. Right. And yep. one of them is leadership vitals. The L in vitals is leadership starts with me. So I, I'm on that right. same track. Like I, I, That's it, man. I can't, you know what I figured out when I was doing, I was leading the mortgage company and yep. I had partners in it. They were my best friends from growing up and we, we had partners and all, but what I found was like my leadership team yeah. wouldn't hold people accountable. Yep. I was investigating this and I did studies and then I started looking at, Oh, wait a minute. They're not holding themselves accountable. So <laughs> they're not holding right themselves on. accountable. They're not going to hold the team accountable. Right on. You know? So yeah. anyway, because um, if, right, cause so, if they start okay. if they start holding the team accountable, then all of a sudden they're also in the spotlight. So it's it's part of the it's part of the racket we call it, right? Where it's well, like and okay, and they have no integrity. They're out of integrity. So right, on. right. So huge. So all right, let's go to the personal side. So what what things have you you like been around the block? You said right. So yeah. first of all, have you been married? Are you married? Have kids? Like, where's your family like right now? And and what have things have you learned on your journey? Whether it's dating, married, I don't even know anything about you here. So let's yeah, yeah, I've been married. Share what twice. you want to. 
No, no, okay. I'm an open book. I'll answer any question you got. I've been married twice. I've got two kids of my own from the first marriage, uh, and she's an amazing gal. Uh, I've got I've got a boy named Scout who's ten. He's my little athlete. I got a girl named Charlie. She's seven. She's my arguer. Awesome. She's 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 gonna be a hopefully hopefully she'll be a lawyer or something either that or she's gonna like run a cartel I'm not sure which one yet. Um, she's brilliant. She's the best negotiator in the family. Um, so got two kids. Uh, they're awesome. They're with me. Uh, was married for eight years to Jess. I blew things up. I you know uh, if we had a lot more time I'd tell you the whole story. But long story short, started drinking like a fish. Became uh, unfaithful. Um, and just, you know, sorrow and despair going on inside of me. And that's how I dealt with it. Not excusing anything. Um, I made all those choices and, uh, finally wrecked a car as you do get arrested, the whole thing. And that was, I knew I was done. I was just desperate, desperate for somebody right. to show me how to get out of all these addictive states. Um, and I did. So that was in that was uh, last day of August in 2016. Um, told the truth to Jess about everything that had been going on, which was not pretty and really devastating to her, obviously. And she didn't want anything to do with me afterwards, and that's pretty human. Um, and I understand. And uh, so we split up, and then and then a couple years later, fell in love with a gal. Um, her name was Allie, and we dated for three years. Most of that was during COVID, so it was interesting. Um, and we were married for a year and that was not good. Um, and I won't say anything to disparage her here, of course, but anyway, it was just not good. Um, not alignment. out of alignment. Yeah. Misalignment. Out of alignment, oh, out of alignment, yeah. out of alignment. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more uh, offline, but, yeah, um, yeah. out of alignment. And, uh, so last May and I'm not a quitter, man. I don't quit shit. I can hang from my thumbs for a week. You know, I can t <laughs> yeah. I bring, yeah. bring it on, man. I'm a, as yeah. you could probably guess, I'm a bring it on type. I like a challenge. Um, but it got so bad that I, it was, uh, mostly for the kids. It, you know, we need to go, we need to go. And then I'm, yeah. I, and I don't, it sounds, it's going to sound weird. I don't wonder about how I'm treated for a long time. And so finally that's what came to the surface about, hold on a second. I don't, I don't deserve being treated this way. And, and I'm not one to leave a marriage because something's, you know, like I'm not being yeah, treated well or something like that. But, uh, there were some bigger narratives that were just irreparable. And, uh, so I left with the kids last May, you know, we're in February of 24 now. And, uh, I left in May of, uh, of 23 and moved out and still, so moved pretty, like a, a four minute bike ride from my kid's school. Their mom lives about five minutes away. And so it's me single dadding again, uh, gotcha. in, in and West Hollywood. So in West Hollywood's where you're staying. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm coming out to LA soon, by the way. So I'll, I'll hit you up. We'll, we'll definitely grab. Let's coffee do it, man. Let's but, do it. But so I didn't know any of that, right? And I and I yep. appreciate you being honest and of transparent course. as much as you wanted to. Um, of course. And I think it, you know, a lot of people can relate to these stories. Right I on. came from a broken home. I don't remember my parents together. My mom was married three times. All this stuff, right? And as a kid yep. watching all this stuff, I learned, watched what was going on. But as I've gone through my marriage now, twenty some years, um, I've you know, I'm learning as I go. Right. And I, and I yeah. appreciate you sharing that. So what is the biggest lesson you've learned through both and through these, these scenarios? Like what, what can you tell you? And again, this is lesson learned for leadership starts with me. Right. So what, yeah. what can you share? Yeah. Uh, okay. Which the biggest lesson I might say a couple here. Or say um, a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So first thing <laughs> is, first thing is it takes a lot of guts to, uh, 
I was going to say to take care of yourself. Here's what I mean is that I can uh, if you want to be a people pleaser or if you want to be a martyr or you want to like sacrifice for other people. First off, other people love that shit, but it's but you can't. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. you got to get real about what you need and what you want. You know, we use this leadership assessment tool called the Harrison Assessment. It talks about paradoxes in leadership. This is one of the paradoxes is helping other people and asserting for your own needs. Um, what I've learned in both of these, both of those relationships is that I had needs that came up and I thought I could outrun them. I'm fine, but I'm not fine. No, because if you if you don't assert for what you need in a loving way it's going to generate resentment. And if you live in resentment, you're going to feel like a victim and victims perpetrate. That's what they do, which is, you know, was my story for the first marriage. I did not do that in the second marriage. I stayed true. Um, But it took me a long time because the signs were there early that, Hey, this is not going to work out. She's not actually in this for you. I'm in it, you know, in my least in my mind and and all my actions, I'm in it for her, but she wasn't in it for me. And you know, whatever, she was very successful and we had a lot of fun together and traveled the world and blah, blah, blah. I got caught up in the lights a little bit, but from a quality perspective, there wasn't, there was, it's not the environment that I'm going to thrive in. So that's number one. Number one is you better know what you actually need and want, and then make sure that's being fulfilled in the context of serving other people first, because it's always this reaping and sowing, right? Just it, with karma or whatever you want to call it. You give what you want, right? What, what, you, yeah. what you need and want for yourself, you give it to somebody else and watch what happens. It always comes back. If you're, if you're in a partnership with someone that's of the same values, there's this you know, generous exchange, I call it. So I'm going to be generous for you first. And ironically, you'll be the same way for me. And so hold on, now our needs get met, you know, symbiotically. So that's the first thing. And, you know, it takes a lot of risk for a guy like me, because I'll just like, whatever, I'll just shut my mouth and soldier on. I can easily be the good soldier. Yep. But it's not, it's not, it's yep. not a good, it's not even a good example for my kids. You know, I'm, I talk to my kids about this stuff a lot because they're getting the AIDS or asking about the marriage. And we talk about it all the time. Um, and I so talk what about, about what about, what, what about communication? So like, oh yeah, you know, here's the thing, like, sometimes we don't want to bring it up to our significant other because we're afraid yeah. what they'll say back to us. And we want to, we're not always sure of how to do it without m- making them defensive or coming off the wrong way. So yeah. we just don't say anything sometimes there as well, or yeah. being rejected from it. Like, let's just right. say for sake of argument, you, uh, you need as a husband, you need You would love your wife to, I don't know, say good morning to you in the morning and give you a hug and kiss before you leave. Just something like right. that. Sure. And then you, you, you didn't say it. Uh, I'm sorry. Then you say that to her and then you're afraid of ways she's going to react. Right. Yeah. And so that communication doesn't happen. So I believe that that from what I'm looking at here is like dialing in communication, man, it, it, it creates this thing where you start to agree with each other more or agree to disagree, but you at least you're clear on it. Well, well, communication is a symptom, right? So so first off, it all goes back to like, it's an action, right? And actions are always just the tip of the iceberg of what else is going on behind the scenes. So first off, get real with what your vision is for the relationship. So if you, you know, if that's not happening, what it goes against is this view you have that, oh, I want to have a loving, you know, engagement. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You know, I want to have a loving exchange. So I want my wife to send me off. And first off, if she's not, that's feedback to you. There's something you're up to that isn't inviting that. If it's not happening, that's back to the personal responsibility. What am I doing that my wife wouldn't want to come over to me and kiss me and wish me a good day? There must be some, some way of being I am with her that makes her happy that I'm gone. So if that's not happening, you got to look in the mirror and say, okay, how, like, cause I, I say that 
100% of what's happening in reality is your intention, not I have these intentions and sometimes it happens. No, I look at it the other way. Whatever's happening must be your intention. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Most people won't. Um, but there's power in that question because then I'm curious about like, cause you know, if my wife isn't kissing me before leaving the house, first off, I'd say, Hey, you know, what's missing for me is I want either when you leave the house or when I leave the house is the other person's right there wishing them well and being their best cheerleader. I can't wait to see when you get home, blah, blah, blah. So I'm sure that I'm not doing that sometimes when you leave the house, you might not even notice that, but for me, it's a sensitive point. So I'm wondering why that's not happening. And I want that to happen. And so is there something I could be doing that you'd want to do that? And then you're listening, right? So you're, you're examining what we would call the context, like what's the spiritual side of life, like everything that's invisible in the relationship. I'd be curious about that without judgment, without being a, a, you know, a beggar, without being any kind of desperation, without being condescending or judgmental, like she should, a wife should, all that stuff's not helpful. I wonder what's missing. Something's missing. And if you go inquire into that and then listen, not not to correct them, not to judge them, but to connect with them instead of it being something she's got to be defensive about, because most people do that. Right. They don't say yep. it. it. It's been going on for three months and now they're pissed about it. And then they get passive aggressive about it. And then they actually create what they say they don't want. They create the distance with their own arrogance and with their own ego. Instead, they can go inquire into it and just listen because something's not there for her. And if you take responsibility for that, that's a grand invitation. Because it's, you know, any kind of, in our work, we say a broken commitment is a cry for help. A broken commitment's a cry for help. Now, not that on her wedding day, she said, I would kiss you every single time before you leave the house. You didn't probably make that vow. But there are these implicit commitments in any kind of relationship, boss, employee, partner to partner, investor, blah, blah, all that business-wise. But even in a relationship, there's implicit commitments in wife, in husband. Part of it is to be loving right? To show up as love. So if she's not doing that, she's begging for a conversation, even though she's not really begging, but I would see it that way. So you can come at it with some compassion because, you know, she's not feeling it, man. And that sucks yeah. to not be by, feeling by on way, that side too. For the record, for the record, my wife hugs and kisses me before I leave right now. It helps, yeah. it, it, honestly, 20 years and so we've had moments where it wasn't. And I was like, what's going on? I got to figure this out. And I've been through it, but now I have it. I brought that up because it's an experience from the past. Right and on. I, I, you know, it's it's a great thing to have sometimes. You know, when you're right waking on. up, and you don't feel like going to work for whatever you may be facing that day. That that, like right you said, on. go go you get them home. Especially but, for guys, hey, guys get yeah. off on being stoic and being like, "I'm a rock, I'm an island." Cue the Simon and Garfunkel. But if you decide to actually show up and like be vulnerable and decide to need your wife, uh, it's a gift to the relationship. Hundred percent, Adrian. Yeah. Look, I can go on for hours talking about these topics with you, but I do respect your time. We ran over a little bit. I hope you don't mind. And no, I hope the listeners don't be, mind because it's good to be with that you. That was a good, that was a good conversation. So thank you for being here, man. Where's, uh, of, where should people go to take new Take new You can see about our corporate work. We are revenant.com is this four day deep dive personal leadership training. It's it's not for the faint of heart. It's for folks like you that really want to get after it and we're really going to see it all and experience it all. It's no holds barred. You're not there taking notes. You're actually in the game by the end, by the second or third day of the training, the participants are running the training. It's, it's groundbreaking. We just, just uh, researched our survey, 2000 recent graduates, 97% of them said it was one of the top three experiences of their life. So it'll move you. If you're ready for a revelation and epiphany and something that's a line in the sand, come to the Revenant. Uh, once again, Boise's coming up. 
end of this month, LA in April. Anyway, we are revenant.com, but find me on Instagram, adrian.k. And, uh, uh, if you have any questions or want to talk at all, I'd give anybody in your network that wants some time, I'll give them some time as a gift from you. So let's let's do do it, guys. Yeah. Check out Adrian and Dan. Dan will be on a later episode, guys. So check that out. Thank you all for being here. Adrian, hang tight while I wrap this up. Keep coming back. We're going to bring you great guests. I'm on a search for great guests that have ingredients that can share, they can share and help you reach your full potential to live the life of your dreams. Your boy C-Rock signing off from That One Studio on the What Are You Made Of show. Until next time, be that one. Music license, music licensing, reimagine.